The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Robert your host. Thursday night football, week 15 recap. Instant reaction to the 49ers clinching the NFC West title with the 21-13 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. There you go, Breach. Congratulations. You have five helmets in your, in your office. So congratulations on another one of them. Actually, what do you have? Uh, you got Raiders, so you can't have division. You can't have a division sweep. Joining me to break it down, Ryan Wilson, John Breach. What's up, boys? Hey, Breach. Do you and Brinson want to uh, hop in the old Pick Six podcast time machine and go back to the moment where you laughed at me that when I said Brock Purdy could take this team deep in the playoffs? I'm still laughing. <laughs> it, is, it is weird that you would like tout your 49ers helmet and then and then be like the guy who's like Brock Purdy sucks because he can't win. He's a terrible person, a terrible player. Uh, he has major character concerns. You said all that about it. I only said 11 percent of what you said. <laughs> That's a Todd McShay joke. I'm kidding. Uh, nobody thinks Brock Purdy has character concerns. He's been, he's, fact, the he played Purdy. He played Purdy well. <laughs> I've been waiting all day. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. That's a pretty good joke, though. Um, Yes, thank you. (laughs) See, good, pretty good joke. That's why Bill. Is that Tony Kornheiser with him? What's going on with that? that It's not Tony Kornheiser. It can't be Tony Um, 49ers, pretty dominant performance in this game. I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, over 100 rushing yards. Brock Purdy, very just efficient and smart for the most part. Really only had like one or two questionable decisions. The reaching out for the first down at the, to get the first down on third and one on the on the bootleg at the end, fantastic, like veteran play. Not what you expect from the last pick of the draft is rookie season. Um, he has been awesome the last two weeks, playing mistake-free, efficient football. Uh, George Kittle was a beast, two big touchdowns. And maybe more importantly, Wilson, this 49ers defense looks like it might not matter who the quarterback is, they could go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and that was sort of what we were talking about when Jimmy G went down. I mean, Jimmy G was having his best year that I can remember. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering some of his other good years, but I think 
a lot of that was him, but maybe a lot of it was Christian McCaffrey, who that was the right trade as we sit here. Debo Samuel when he's healthy, Brandon Ayuk, um, George Kittle, the offensive line, and of course the defense. All those things together seem to work out pretty well. And by the way, I, I, I might need to pass along an apology to Kyle Shanahan because I don't think it matters that this trade last thing ain't working out because if they get back to the Super Bowl, I mean, I mean it doesn't well, matter. Well, I mean, I, I, it's weird because like, I agree with you, like Kyle, credit to Kyle Shanahan, you win despite the fact that Trey Lance isn't there, but maybe that should have been the informative lesson of not giving up those first round picks. Because what if you could have taken those and put them like, you're just sat where you were, take Mac Jones and you'd have two more first round picks on your roster. So like, it is, again, they're very the good. It no, doesn't you, you, use you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a tough one to to balance and to to to. I only say that because it's working out. So right, this isn't a situation like the Rams, for example, where they had a purpose to giving away all those picks. It wasn't just sort of haphazardly hoping that Trey Lance, a, a FCS quarterback who didn't play his final year because of COVID, works out because you're trying to change things up with the quarterback position in terms of getting a better athlete out there. But it's working, so uh, I'll uh, just uh, applaud the result and not so much concentrate on the process. Well, and I think too, it's you know at least worth noting that you know they've they've done a pretty good job in the draft. Like we focused on that Trey Lance thing and and and, the, and that, that pick, but I mean, like you know they've grabbed Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jawan Jennings. That was three years ago. Elijah Mitchell last year. Uh, uh, Talano Hufonga uh, in the fi- in the fifth round. Um, I'm trying to just look and see who Trey else. Greenlaw, Fred just, Warner going back in the day, Jimmy Ward. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Right. I was going to make a Trey Sermon joke, but yeah, and, and then like you know you have. Brock Purdy, seventh round pick last year. Like they've they've done a pretty good job in the draft. The the Trey Lance thing does stand out, obviously, as a you know situation where you lose those first round picks breach. But I mean, it, to to Wilson's to to what Wilson's saying about the Rams, even if we don't love a process and we criticize the process when it happens, at the end of the day, if the results show, like we can be the process is always important and it's important to criticize and to analyze the process. But if they win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Ain't nobody complaining about the Trey Lance picks. You know what I mean? It's like like the the, the co- you can justify it with with particular results, like the like the Rams did with Stafford winning the Super Bowl, right? And that is a huge part of this because the flip side is if you don't and you go into the offseason, say you lose in the divisional round of the playoff, and people are wondering, well, is Brock Purdy better than Trey Lance, and if you go into the offseason. No, you're going to have a training camp competition with the last pick in the draft versus a guy <laughs> you gave away everything to move up into the top five to grab. Uh, that's going to get ugly it, it, just from a covering it from a media standpoint. People will be tweeting about it every day. It's going to be one of those things where you get the stats every day. Like, oh, man, Brock Purdy just threw an incomplete pass. Trey Lance is the starter. Oh, Trey Lance just threw an incomplete pass. Brock Purdy's the starter. And, and so it is going to create an interesting dynamic this offseason. But you know what? Like you guys just said, for right now, it does not matter because if Brock Purdy keeps playing this well, uh, and if they win the Super Bowl, he there is no quarterback controversy. I think you just roll with the guy who won a Super Bowl oh, for you. That is spicy. Hey, let, let me ask you something. Can you guys name who the four losses are for the for the 49ers? I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the one that's like yeah, you know, they lost to the Chiefs. No, no big deal. They got smoked by the Chiefs. 45. I can't, I cannot even I can give you one right now because we watched it prime time and the final score is eleven to ten and it was against the Broncos. They lost to the Broncos. Oh my gosh. Remember when they lost in week one to the that's Bears? Oh, the Bears? And their other their fourth loss is the Falcons. Like, what the hell, man? This team has ripped off seven straight wins. Well, uh, well, they, part of that, Brent, just real quick, since you brought those up, Bears. Trey Lance's first start as like really the official starter, 
Uh, Broncos was after the Trey Lance injury. So Jimmy Garoppolo got just tossed in there after doing nothing in training camp. So, you know, if you look at the losses, kind of excusable. The Falcons one, I think, is the only one that's kind of inexplicable. And remember, with the Falcons lost, too, they, they lost that game. And we were like, well, this is why Jimmy G was practicing on the field by himself. Like, this guy just can't get it done. And then he started getting hot. And then Purdy's taken over. And again, they won seven straight. They, you know, they, they, they won the division. So that's clinched. They are locked into no worse than, I mean, if we're being realistic, the three seed, right? Because I mean, yeah, the NFC South, the NFC South winner is going to be the four seed. Cowboys likely going to be the five seed. So those two spots are locked in. The question is, how high can the Niners go here? Because if you look at their, you know, you look at their remaining schedule, they have Washington at the Raiders and the Cardinals. It would not be crazy at all for them to win the final three games of the season, finish 12 and four. And then I think you realistically, very realistically start talking about, you know, the, the Eagles are 12 and one. So they're, they're, you know, I don't think Philly's going to lose out and, and San Francisco probably won't catch them. Uh, but Minnesota, man, I mean, you know, I don't think it would be outrageous to suggest that uh, we probably shouldn't even bring up the Vikings out of nowhere to drag them, but like <laughs> it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be outrageous for the Vikings to drop a game. And the 49ers to leapfrog them into the number two seed, which just it just becomes interesting because then then all of a sudden it's like we were talking about the Lions sneaking in as the seven, and now you might have to face the whoever's the seven doesn't want to face the Niners as the two. I think is my point there. So as we sit here coming into the nice game, they haven't updated yet. Our buddies of football, football outsiders have the 49ers as the third best team in terms of value per play DVOA last season. The eight and nine Vikings finish as the number sixteen team according to value per play. What do you think the ten and three Titans are currently at in terms of value per play DVOA advanced metrics? Uh, twelve, nineteen, twenty-one. Ooh, that's how lucky they've been. So you know you, you know, can take it part of the Vikings. The Vikings. Oh, you said the Titans. Sorry. Yeah, the Vikings. Um, yeah. so you know you can take it personally if you want in terms of people not being nice to Minnesota, but the fact is they, they've been incredibly lucky and you wonder if that luck's going to start to even out. And that's to your larger point that I think the 49ers are in great shape. I don't know what, what Stephen O's numbers say about the 49ers chance to win the, uh, coming to get the number two seed. I'm sure he probably hasn't run the simulations just yet since the game's over, but tomorrow we should know. And I would imagine it's going to be relatively high. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, you look at the Vikings and they have, Remaining. Real quick, real quick, before tonight's game, the 49ers had a 13.88% chance to win the Super Bowl oh, in man. Stephen O's simulations, which is the fourth highest of any team in the NFL behind only the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles. Yeah, I mean, we you know we saw it when Jimmy G got hurt. We are like, well, you know, that could be it. And the 49ers' odds didn't, like, budge. The Super Bowl odds just stayed at 9-1. to one. Um, By the way, let's if the Vikings lose this weekend, San Francisco's number two seat. They have a better conference record. I mean, the Colts this weekend at home, Giants at home, at the Packers and at the Bears. Again, those are four games where the Vikings will favorite at least three of them. Um, I don't know that that Packers line will be weird, depending on how Aaron Rodgers plays the next two weeks. Uh, Very possibly favorite in all four, could easily win all four. If they drop one, which is entirely possible, the 49ers are in pretty good shape to go and capture that number two seed and then have, you know, home field, except for when they potentially go to Philadelphia in the conference championship game. So, you know, back to this game, back to the individual game, the Seahawks, man. I mean, the, the, the Seahawks draft class has been outstanding. 
like correct all all the credit in the world to Pete Carroll and John Schneider for rebuilding this team on the fly and you know getting this draft class going. But the two rookie tackles looked like they were like being told they were blocking for Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe it was just Nick Bosa destroying people. I, I would venture a guess that when Caesars re-releases the odds. And I don't believe they're up yet. I think Nick Bosa will be the favorite to win defensive player of the year. And we'll have flipped that with Micah Parsons, or they're at least both like minus one ten or something like that. Uh, thoughts on thoughts on that and the Seahawks offensive line, Wilson. I'm not going to blame the offensive line for going up against the best defense on the planet sure. and, and struggling both rookies. Uh, I mean, there's only, there's only so much you can ask those guys to do. Um, so yeah. And you know, we said earlier, the, the, the defense is gonna be a big part of this 49ers run um, because you're not asking Brock Purdy to do a lot. Pretty went 11 for 11 to start the game, which is certainly noteworthy, but it just does feel like, you know, Gino's coming back down to earth and I don't know if he's feeling the pressure of having to carry the defense, which is not very good for Seattle um, or needing more out of the running game. Ken Walker came back and played tonight and he was okay. Ripped off one long run or just being Gino Smith again. I don't know, but uh, I think it's fair to say that these teams feel like they're about where they should be at this point in the season, given how they played. And, um, Reach, I would imagine, add one more element to what's going on in in, in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> what is Bill doing? <laughs> that just freaked me out, man. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, hey!" Uh, by the way, the, by the way, the Seahawks just to uh, before Reach dives in on that, um, you know, they had that touchdown pass from Geno to DK Metcalf with 36 seconds left against the Rams to win 27-23. Um, they could very easily have lost. Uh, four in a row and you know be what uh six and six and eight which would just be you know from from the start they had it would be pretty you know disappointing obviously well that's true but as wilson just said this is before the season started everybody kind of thought this was a five six seven win team and that could be the neighborhood of where they end up they didn't get there how we thought they were going to get there uh, but it does really feel like Geno Smith is kind of falling back to earth. And, you know, as much as Russell Wilson got bashed when he was playing well for the Seahawks, these were the games he won when, uh, you know, his offensive line just disappeared and the defensive linemen were on him in a second. He would just kind of uh, get out of there. I think he went 17 and four against the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, not that that Russell Wilson exists right now, but that's something <laughs> that's an element of the game that Geno Smith doesn't have. You get pressure on him. He's in trouble, and there's not much the Seahawks can do. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't mean, I mean, not not to just to push back on that. Like, I don't know that Gino is necessarily coming back to earth. I think there's a little, there's certainly some regression. Like, he wasn't going to be, you know, the was he the just like Tua was not going to be, you know, continue at his rate of like accuracy throughout the entire season. It was very unlikely. Just you know, even with his skill set, even with his pedigree, and the same thing. Like, Gino was not going to play like elite MVP caliber Gino, sort of like Alex Smith back in what 2017. I, I do think that Gino has been pretty good and I don't put a lot of this on him tonight. You know, we talk about that offensive line, you know, it's really more about San Fran's defensive line dominating than it is about Gino struggling to, to me. There were some really dumb mistakes by the Seahawks, some costly penalties. Yeah. The defense couldn't get off the field on, on, on some huge third downs. And Gino was forced to pass 44 times against you know, a defense that, absolutely teed off on him knowing that they couldn't knowing that the Seahawks couldn't run the ball at all 12 carries 47 yards for uh Kenneth Walker I mean this is the um gosh I think it's like the it is the seventh straight game one two three four five six seventh straight game 
where an opponent was held under where the opponent was held under 75 team rushing yards by the 49ers. Like they are absolutely making teams one dimensional and also rushing the passer when they make them one dimensional. That is a tough formula to overcome. So I, I don't put a ton of this on Gino. I do think the Seahawks may be regressing as, as a, as a whole back to not what we thought they were, but just a closer to a 500 team than like a, a division front runner. Well, I mean, if you had six straight games of your QB rating over 104 and now you have two straight under 85, I would I would call that falling back to earth. I mean, you can blame it. You can you can pin blame in other spots, but Gino's not playing to the level that he had been playing in the previous weeks. And yeah, I mean, the 49ers defensive front absolutely destroying San Francisco's offensive line definitely didn't help the cause. The fact that the Seahawks couldn't run the ball at all and this the whole entire offense was the success of it depended on whether Gino could throw the ball and there was just nothing there. So, I mean, you can spread the blame around, but you know, Gino Smith didn't look like he did two, three, four weeks ago. I mean, CFC uh, with 30 points to the Panthers last week. And, and, and like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, he struggled I don't think Gino he struggled like back to earth. I think he's more like leveling off a little bit. I, I don't, well, that's, that's coming. That's coming back. He, he's not maintaining. If he played like he did the first month of the season, they probably win this game. I mean, that's how red hot he was. If they win, it'd be close. Oh, I mean, I mean yeah, it was twenty-one it, to thirteen. Oh, in the first true. month of the season, they lost twenty-seven to seven to the 49ers. Like I mean, over the first month of the season. In the first month of the season, they lost twenty-seven. When Gino was red hot, red hot Gino put him on this team. I think Gino had have less than two hundred yards and an interception in the first month of the season against the same 49ers team. I think you would agree that Geno Smith played much better over the first month of the season than he's played the last two weeks. That's my point. It's fine. Okay. I mean, I don't. I didn't think that was a contentious thing to say out loud, but. It, to get you with it. I mean, in the first Ooh, month of the season, he had, he had, in the first month of the season, he had back-to-back games against San Francisco and Atlanta with a passer rating under a hundred. So, like, was he? I mean, you know, like, if you're talking about regressing with two, I mean, he said two. He said two, two-week stretches of a passer rating under a hundred, and that's it. Otherwise, he's been pretty steady throughout the season. So, like, if he continues to do this and he plays like crap against the Chiefs and he plays like crap against the Jets in a, in a massive revenge game. Uh, then yeah, like we can we can start talking about like a full blown regression, but I don't know, so pump the brakes a little bit is all I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I don't think anyone's mad at Gino, just that he hasn't played as well as he he did earlier in the year. Right, and I think Wilson's kind of referring to Week Four. There's, when you lose two of your first three games, and the Seahawks looked exactly how everyone thought they were going to look. They got a lucky win against the Broncos in Week One. I'm just. I, I, I understand the argument is that like he's not playing as well as he did the first month of the season. He had two terrible games in the first month of the season. Well, whenever, he, whenever, the last he was, whenever he was red hot, I don't right. I understood his point. He is basically saying since week four, when Gino has been good, he's been good. But I think the bigger question is here is Gino Smith and the Seahawks. Are they still good enough to get in the playoffs? Cause it feels no. like this lock kind of put a dagger in those. Cause well, let's, you're in a spot. Let's, let's take a break. We'll come back and discuss. Can the Seahawks make the playoffs? Next. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Breach, continue on. Because uh, I think it's a great question. Like, this is, the Seahawks were went from, like, team, they're, like, cruising the playoffs to... There, what is it? Joe Buck uh, in Monday Night Football did sniffing around, which is just weird. Sniffing around or loitering, 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 loitering. Uh, lingering outside and lingering outside in the dark alley. Like that's that's what CBS should use for their graphic. Well, now that you have two losses in a row, they're sitting at seven and seven. And the problem is that uh, when you're the Seahawks, you were see- circling Week 15 because you're like, oh, we're gonna be sitting at home on Sunday. The Commanders and Giants play each other, and we'll hop up uh, whoever loses that game. But now you don't even do that because the loser falls to seven, six, and one, and we'll still be a half of game ahead of the Seahawks. And so that is going to be pretty rough for them. So it does feel like that, you know, if I had to pick out the Lions or the Seahawks, I'd probably take the Lions at this point just because the Seahawks have not looked good over the past two weeks and they play the Chiefs next week and then the mm. Jets. And it feels like, uh, I don't want to say their season's over, but I don't think they're going to be in the postseason. They're trending in the wrong direction. Very wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, at the Chiefs is a tough, tough spot to get to right the ship. Um, Jets and Rams. I mean, you know, clearly does not. The question is, does nine and eight get the Seahawks into the playoffs? We've we've looked at it, and there are you know there are obviously scenarios where nine wins can get you in the playoffs as an NFC team. Everything kind of has to break your way. Um, what's interesting about this too is though is that you know when I when I did when I originally did the you know can the Lions make a playoff run. One of the things, what I was prim- primarily looking at was like, okay, can Washington and New York, these two teams that maybe we think like aren't, or maybe they're playing above their their head, like will they come back to earth? I had mentioned too that, or at least I think I threw it out there in the video, it was like, if the Seahawks or the Niners crater, and obviously the Niners are doing the opposite of that, but like if the Seahawks crater, that really opens the door for the Lions, knowing that you know the Giants have to play Washington. Um, and then in week 16, they have to... Uh, Washington's at San Francisco and the Giants are at the Vikings, right? I mean, we could have a situation where if San Francisco beats Washington and the Vikings win and the Lions can take care of the Jets and the Panthers, I mean, they're eight and seven in the seventh seed going in to week 17, like before even the final week of the season. Yeah. And you look at these schedules, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we have them up there and the, the Lions clearly have the friendliest schedule here. Uh, they have the friendliest path. Would you say the friendliest path? There's a path. They uh, have the third 
easiest strength of schedule over the final four weeks of the season with the Jets, Panthers, Bears, and Packers. And the tough part is obviously that three out of those four games are on the road, which isn't ideal. But as Brinson just said, there's an absolute path. And then you look at the Giants who, or the loser of the Giants commanders, whoever loses that game, the Giants have the Vikings in week 16. The commanders have the 49ers in week 16. Very good chance that both those teams lose in week 16. And uh, man, as Brinson said, it is, you got to feel pretty good about yourself if you're a Lions fan. And, and that's important because Lions fans don't get to feel good about themselves very often. So you're yeah. telling me there's a chance. And then you look at week 16 and, and you can see it here on the thing, but you know, Washington, or excuse me, week 17, Washington hosts the Browns and the Giants host the Colts. Now, what gets really interesting for me, and I've sort of been, you know, I think I've referenced this plenty over the past like week, couple of weeks, but week 18, you know, the Seahawks get a Rams team that is waving the white flag and willing to sit everybody. You know, the Lions are at the Packers. I don't know. Like, if the, if the Packers are out of it, I don't know if they're going to run Aaron Rodgers out there and run the risk if something happens to him or, you know, if he just wants to try and keep the Lions out of the playoffs. Lord knows he may be that spiteful. But the two games that really mean, mean a ton, Washington hosts the Cowboys and the Giants are at the Eagles. The question is, will either will those teams be running their starters out in week 18? Because that's going to make a world of difference for the Lions and the Seahawks as they try to get into the playoffs. I would argue that Baker Mayfield is going to be playing week 18 for a job. So he's going yeah, to be out there true. slinging yeah. it around. And I, I would also say I don't like to get on this this uh, bus with YouTube numb nuts, but I, I would imagine the Cowboys will be set. Uh, at probably five, and the Eagles will be set at one, so there will be no urgency to play anyone in Week 18 either. Does that sound about right, Breach? That sounds about right. Just the Cowboys are so far ahead of everyone else in the wild card race, but so far behind the Eagles that it does feel like that's going to be the situation. And both those teams, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles, are going to go into Week 18 thinking, man, we can rest our starters. And the Commanders and Giants are both going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So, yeah, that definitely adds a twist to all this. One um, thing to keep in mind, though, don't be surprised if Mike McCarthy tries out Dak Prescott in Week 18 at nose tackle just to see in case he <laughs> needs backup. Just, just worth noting, though. Um, so, Week 15, the as you you, know, you can't see it on this screen, but but the Eagles have the are at the Jaguars and the Cowboys. Or excuse me, the Cowboys are at the Jaguars and the Eagles are at the Bears. Let's assume that they both win those games. Then they play each other in week 16. If the Cowboys win that game, they're just a game back of the Eagles. And we'd have to start looking at conference record and, and all that, after that, or division record, I guess, first. So, you know, there's a chance where, and then in week 17, we have the, um, the Cowboys are at the Titans. So let's give him a win there. Just sort of walking through the machinations. Thursday here. night on the road. Thursday night on the road. Not an easy win by any stretch of the imagination, but I think uh, certainly a game that they can go win. And then the Eagles ha are hosting the Saints. So, you know, it, it, assuming that, you know, the chalk holds there, I, th I think both are favored. Then all of a sudden, the Eagles would have to play everybody against the Giants because if they didn't, and they lost to the Giants and the Cowboys beat Washington, the Cowboys would win the division at 14 and three with the tiebreaker that I'm, I'm seeing right here in the ESPN playoff machine. So this week, huge for not only the Eagles and the Cowboys, but also the Seahawks, Lions, Giants, and Washington. Because if both teams win this week and then in week 17, and Dallas can find a way in week 16, they're both going to play all their starters in week 18, I would think. Well, and Brinson, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Week 16 match, the Christmas Eve game between the Cowboys and the Eagles, because if the Eagles win that, then you're getting to a point where 
the last two weeks probably aren't going to matter for Dallas because they're going to be locked in the fifth seed. And then depending on what happens with the behind Philly, it might the last two weeks might not matter for them uh, if the Eagles win that week 16 game. So that, again, throws another twist into that. And real quick, I see uh, Victor Garcia in the chat has asked if all four teams from one division have ever made the playoffs before. Uh, yes and no. So it, it has only become possible for four teams in one division to when make the playoffs since they expanded to 14 teams. So this would be the first time that every single team in one division makes the playoffs if it were to happen. However, four teams have made the playoffs from one division, but that was back when there were five teams in the division. So not every team in the division made it. The last time that happened was 1998 with the AFC East. It happened uh, 1997 NFC Central and 1994 NFC Central. Uh, and those are the only three times in NFL history where four teams from one division have made the playoffs. Yeah, and I would uh, push back a little bit on the idea that it looks like it will happen, if only because the way that the NFL structures these schedules, you have tons of division games in the final few weeks, as it should be, because you want you know, you know want those division games at the crucial time of the year. And you see it, right? Like, I mean... In week 15, we have two matchups. And in week 18, we have two more matchups. You know, all the indices teams are playing each other. So I, I would guess that there's going to be enough beating each other up that we don't get all four in there. And, and one of Detroit or Seattle sneaks in along with probably whoever wins the Washington Giants game. But but look, if the, if the, if the Lions and the Seahawks lose a couple games, it's entirely possible. And well, and to that point, if the Commanders and Giants just go two and two down the stretch and one of them is going to pick up a win this Sunday unless they tie again, uh, that gets them to nine seven and one which obviously beats nine and eight and so i, I feel like if they get to nine wins they're both probably going to get in I, I you know it's tough to see the lions winning out or the seahawks winning out i mean i feel like the lions could go three and one but again that just gives them the nine and eight lions are winning out calling it now call them a shot i think the lions are gonna lose this week i don't feel good i don't, I don't feel good saying it like i'm not happy about it i just think they're gonna lose Brenton, why you got to say that about the lions don't give them bulletin the board material I, I just think I, I'm a little concerned about Jared Goff being outside. He didn't look he didn't look very sharp at the Meadowlands earlier this year. He's been great. He's been awesome. Just didn't look sharp in the cold weather. It's not really his his thing. Cali boy. You guys don't hear a cold weather fun fact or sad fact, depending on whether you're a Dolphins fan? Yeah. Oh, just yeah. Look, looking, looking ahead to Saturday's game, uh, I had to do a little voiceover work for social today, and I looked this up real quick. Um, in the last 26 games that the Dolphins have played in temperatures of 50 degrees or less, which goes back to 2013. What is their record in those 26 games? Uh, oh, and 26. <laughs> I know they're, they've lost their last seven. Yeah, did you, uh, you get some stat about that on the phone? Yeah, but I only went back that far. So I'll say like six and 20. Seven and 21. Breach, oh. Seven and 19, excuse me. Breach cheated once again. He's like six and 20. I'll just throw it out there. Like just, he knows so, off. Breach, you mentioned Owen seven in the last seven, going back to the 2017 season, they played 14 games in 50 or below weather. What's their record in those 14 games? Three and 11. Brenton. Uh, four and uh, 10. Oh, Show, showcase showdown goes to, Breach again, one and thirteen. Oh, oh come on! No, no, he went over. He went over. You can't go over on showcase showdown. You got to be <laughs> that, reverse that showcase is showdown. Horrible! Like that, that's, that's just horrible. horrible. So my, my my point is that it's going to be it's going to be snowy on Sun uh, Saturday here in in Central New York and upstate and Western New York if you're in Buffalo. So our buddy Adam Beasley, who used to work with Miami Herald and covers the Dolphins for PFN now, said it's not like none of the players on that on that roster haven't played in cold weather. 
Maybe not, but historically the Dolphins stink when it's cold. So. Yeah, and I think Tua was. I'm not. I guess we're talking about golf and weather. It's fine, but like, um, Tua was like. I mean, it, it snows in Alabama too. It's like, dude, it's not like that. Like it snows in North Carolina, and it's like, you know, you can walk through it and it melts when you touch it with your feet. Like Wilson's out here shoveling feet, like feet worth of snow. And like, yeah, I, I didn't want to get sidetracking the snow out of the way. Just right, snowing. I didn't want to get sidetracked on that. But that game's on Saturday. But we won't talk before then. So I thought that was a, a uh, breach, a breach fun fact. Uh, yes, it's, we're gonna um, just so you know, we're gonna recap on Sunday. We won't have a Saturday night recap. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, we'll watch the games. We'll talk about them on Sunday. Lots of uh, good football to talk about this weekend. Real quick, we, we have, had a Brock Purdy stat just up there. Yeah, uh, with the air with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what is that? Two of the highest QB ratings through their first two starts. Uh, but that's just the first two starts. Aaron Rodgers wasn't obviously was not a rookie in 2008 when he made his first two starts. Uh, but you can see uh, uh, 134 in game one for Purdy and 117 in game two against the Seahawks. Uh, but when you talk about just rookies, uh, Brock Purdy has the third highest QB rating combined or average for his first two starts. And you want to know the three quarterbacks he's behind? This this is one of those stats that's going to make you think, oh, maybe he isn't going to lead them to the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. Who is it? Uh, number one is Kyle Allen. Is number two like Nick Mullins? Number two is Marcus Mariota. Trevor Simeon. Is he the other one? Number three is Scott Mitchell. Back in 1993, oh, Brock Purdy has Lines. the fourth highest as far as rookies go. All right. Um, that um that Actually, I was going to ask a question before you read that out. So when does the Brock Purdy house of cards fall apart? Does this... Can he just ride this thing out because of all the other players around him? Or is this thing going to, you know, is it going to get blown blown off the, the kitchen table here with a strong gust of wind? For, I mean, for me, I think it's going to be when they play a, a well-rounded team that has a really good defense, which they, I mean, the Seahawks have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So <laughs> that's an ideal situation if you're a rookie quarterback, especially Kyle Shanahan just scheming things open left and right because the Seahawks are so bad. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I would, I guess I would counter by saying, like, when are they going to see this well-rounded team with a good defense? Because I think they're the only well, I mean, well-rounded the team with a good defense. When they get to the playoffs, that's when it's going to happen. I mean, are, I mean, are they? Yeah, eventually. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess again, like, I mean, Philadelphia. Yeah, that, I'll give you Philly. That's I have no problem with that. But I mean, wait a second. What about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're going to go to the Super Bowl, aren't they? Look, I just, I just said that it's, it's Tom Brady's involved. If Tom Brady's involved, I'm not writing him off. Uh, their defense is not well-rounded. It's not very good. They're, they can't really stop the run. I think the 49ers would trash them. Uh, Washington, maybe, good defense. Dallas. The they play the Commanders. Plays the Commanders next week, week uh, on Christmas right. Eve. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, sw- I'm not expecting some Brock Purdy complete meltdown. He has composure. He makes a lot of veteran, like, he makes a lot of veteran-like moves and, and sort of uh, throws and decisions. He's careful with the ball, and he's a quick decision-maker who gets the ball out, you know, in, in in smart fashion. And I think Kyle Shanahan is just that good a play a play designer. Now look, Washington could cause him problems. Wouldn't be that shocking. They got a ton of weapons though. Yeah. It, well, and you know, like Sunday night when everybody's talking about that one Justin Herbert throw, like eight yards downfield, the, the window was literally like two inches wide and Herbert got it in there and his receiver caught it. You know, there weren't any throws like that from Brock Purdy on Thursday night because he didn't have to make those. So what's going to happen when are, the windows are tighter? You see a quarterback having to make in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Well, right, you know, but eventually you get to a situation where you're sure. going to have to make those throws right, to win yeah. a game, especially we haven't seen Brock Purdy have to play from behind when the Fort Enters have to throw the ball more because they've dominated these past two games. And that's what I'm saying. When they play a good opponent, they are eventually going to be playing from behind, and that's what I need to see from Brock Purdy. Uh, 
you know, and again, it's not easy for a rookie to win in the postseason. I, we've mentioned it before. Zero rookies have won the Super Bowl. A rookie has never even been to the Super Bowl. And rookies are 8 and 19 mm. all time in the postseason. Mm. Is that right? Eight and 19 even Big time. Ben, who was 15 and 1 his rookie season or 14 and 1 his rookie season. So even like, wait, eight and 19, really? Didn't Big Ben did Big eight Ben win two yeah, That's two of the eight. Or no, he won one. Or he won one. Divisional round. Yeah, they won were the one. number one. They were the number one seed. And they Joe Flacco won two. Mark Sanchez won two. But and you know, eight and nineteen. Two of those eight wins were in games where two rookies played each other, so a rookie had to win. And by the way, in the two thousand four game where the Steelers didn't play in the first round and they played the Jets in the second round, I think it was the Jets. They should have lost that game fifty to nothing. They got lucky. I think. The kicker O'Brien, maybe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He missed a bunch of field goals, so it wasn't like Big Ben. Doug Bryan, I think. Was it's the pretty wild just how few rookie quarterbacks have made it to the. Like, Why is that dude. wild? It's incredibly difficult. I, I mean, know. last year we had uh, we like Mac- fifty years of football, and there's been like twenty-seven of them, twenty-seven games, and and like, and, and they're the all Browns, kind of so modern, and like a lot of them, you know, feature, and, and maybe it's just rookie sit, and 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 it's you know a lot so of times we, had, we had Mac Jones last year. He was the only one, and they got body slammed. Kenny Pickett um, can still has a chance to win it this year. John Wolford gets credit in 2020, even though Jared Goff ended up coming in with that the uh, injury. I think Wolford got hurt in the first quarter uh, against the Rams. But yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott, the Cowboys were good in 2016. They lost Andrew Luck in 2012. That team didn't win a single playoff game. Russell Wilson uh, won one, right? Or did they lose the... Russell Wilson did Russell win one. RG3. But he beat RG3, so a rookie had to get a win right, there. Right. Um, the rookie had to get a loss, too. Right. Well, you, you take out the two wins and the two losses, that 8-19 goes down to 5-17, and 17, if you don't count the rookie. rookie yeah, math breach. Uh, all right, that'll do us. We're back. Uh, pick show. It's up on YouTube. Check it out on the podcast feed on Friday. We're back on Sunday night to recap all of Week 15's thread. Ho, ho, ho. Action. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, well, yeah, we'll be a week out from Christmas on uh, Sunday night. For Wilson, for Breach, I'm Britson. See you guys later. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.